Hello, Pod Nutsians. Welcome to the Makers episode number 22. This is Door to Door Geek, uh, owner operator of Pod Nuts. First and foremost, everything is my fault because I'm the owner operator and the buck stops with me. No show in a while, my fault. Um, all kinds of stuff family stuff, work stuff, me stuff, and just exhaustion stuff is what I'm going to say. Um, this is a podcast all about making, designing, building. Uh, creating, destroying, catching on fire, and everything between. Uh, this show, um, joined by Brett. How's everything going, Brett? It's going pretty good. Uh, let's see. I've done a lot of stuff since I've uh, been on here last. Making, building, a lot of destroying, but uh, most of the good things. Gotcha, gotcha. Is there anything you've uh, built, broke, or learned in the last uh, since the last that uh, caught your mind? Um, let's see, I built a, kind of built a van and, uh, started traveling with it and that's been fun. Uh, Liam actually helped me with, uh, remaking the van into more livable. So I'm traveling with that and having a lot of fun with that. Would this be classified as urban camping possibly? I would be okay with that. That, that sounds fun. Yeah. I mean, this day and age, you have to give everything a name. Um, that's cool. I will say I'm a touch bit envious just because now you are the master of your domain. You get to do whatever the hell you want, when you want, why you want, uh, how you want. Uh, but I think most interestingly about the van modification is you took out the passenger seat of the van and you replaced it. Yes. Uh, at first it was replaced with a 3D printer. Um, now it's replaced with just living space. But uh, it's, you know, don't need a passenger right now, so why have a seat? Gotcha, gotcha. Very cool. Well, no matter what, glad to hear from you. And yes, right now, you're at least four states away. You're in Texas, actually in Liam's shop right now. Yeah, so. yeah I believe four states away. So it's uh, the van's holding up pretty good. Well, most importantly, keep looking over your shoulder. Uh, we're also joined this week by Chad. How's everything going, man? Hey, Dor. Ah, really good. It's been a busy spring. It's, um, spring's a busy time for me, so, um, really busy. Really, really busy. Making, doing other stuff. It's just, life's catching up to you, you know, spring. Gotcha, gotcha. Did the, uh, contract come through you were hoping to get with the local, uh, sports team? Yeah, we're gonna, we'll be rolling that out here towards the fall when football actually starts up. And, you know, because right now it's kind of a dead time for it. But, yeah, we're – I think it's a go. haven't heard anything negative about it. I think it's a go. <laughs> very cool, very cool. That, to me, is like one of the things. If you really want to make, there's almost no better excuse reason to make other than you sign a contract with somebody and then they expect results. So then you're forced to learn how to ramp up your production, uh, get a little bit tighter, a little bit better, more efficient less effort for each unit. And then the other good thing is when there's nothing to do in air quotes, there's still plenty to do. Yeah. And if it picks up, we're not quite sure what kind of sales we're going to have from it, you know, and it's, it's kind of an up in the air deal. So we're not going to invest anything into new equipment or anything, but he does have, he's looking at expanding his shop or his facility where he does t-shirts and embroidery stuff. And the facility would have enough room to where we, it's got a secondary room where we could, I could have a shop in there if it came down to it. So I don't know. 
a lot of things up in the air. Gotcha, gotcha. Well, and I have to believe with your experience in 3D printing, laser cutting, and stuff like that, it wouldn't take you too long to ramp up an area. Uh, it would, the longest it would take, I would think, is a week and a half, two weeks to get the stuff shipped to you, and then you could have it set up pretty quickly. Well, yeah, I mean, it it wouldn't take much. I mean, facility-wise, you know, that router doesn't take up much facility. Just a little bit of room. It's There's no infrastructure that needs, you know, you don't need three-phase or anything. So it's pretty much just get some good shelving in there and some good light, and there you go. That, yeah, good air cleaning, you know, that kind of stuff. Very cool, very cool, man. Hope it all goes well and it goes. Because to me, the most important thing with this kind of thing isn't whether or not it becomes busy or not, but that it becomes busy at a manageable rate. If that is possible, then to me, that's awesome. Yeah, hoping for slow scale. Right. Yep, yep. Uh, We're also joined this week by uh, Liam. How's everything going, Liam? Things are going pretty darn good, Dor. Um, Lots of new stuff and projects and people visiting. Just kind of overall been good. You know, it's, it's, it's been good enough that I keep waiting for the other shoe to drop. Don't tempt fate, man. Um, you, you've been, it appears to me like you've been a little crazy busy with the laser. Uh, can I ask what is the coolest thing you think you've done with the laser or, or the most fun thing and not lost your vision? I, you know, I haven't really done much cool quote unquote stuff with the laser. It's all flat stock. Ultimately, um, we printed out the, or cut out the parts. I say print, cut out the parts to upgrade Brett's FT5 to the same mount and get rid of the hatch at the bottom like mine. That was that was kind of nice. Uh, cut out a second one of those so that when he goes and visits Aaron, he can take it with him. So he can have a set of those as well. Just, just simple stuff like that with the laser. Um, what I love about the laser is it's quick. Oh, that's a nice plus. Yeah, um, I will say I've only still just seen footage of it. Um, never actually seen one with my own eyes. I have a feeling that's going to change here shortly, though. Um, but I, I will say you are almost the opposite of Chad. You almost force yourself to be busy with stuff, um, whether it be designing, cutting, or printing. You always have something going on, it seems like. Well, the older I get, the more I find surprise naps happen if I don't move. It's like a shark, I guess. You keep moving or, you know, the gills rot and fall asleep. Gotcha, gotcha. Well, I, I have literally achieved nothing in well over a month and a half, two months. I still have the magnetic bed sitting next to my printer. Haven't had the time inkling or, you know, um, um, push to go get that done. So it's literally sitting right next to my um, 3D printer. Um, I will say really quick, Jonas is not here yet. And I've never, ever in my life thought I would ever have to say this on a podcast. But I really hope the volcano is nowhere by Jonas right now. Um, he's in Hawaii, active volcano, shooting like 100 plus feet up in the air. Uh, the other, um, uh, we have a patron who sends us pictures. He's like 10 miles from it. Um, yeah, so hopefully Jonas is going to join us and you know he will laugh about this kind of stuff and uh, he'll be okay. And I hope everyone down in Hawaii, it's okay. I've now checked off Florida. I'll never live in Florida. I'll never live in North Carolina, hurricanes and stuff. I'm never going to live in California, earthquakes. I'm never going to live in, like, Kansas-like area, tornadoes. I'm now not going to live in Hawaii, volcanoes. So, as it turns out, I might actually already be living in an okay area because I don't really have many natural disasters. 
Yeah, earthquakes aren't as bad as you think, unless they're, you know, really, really big. Well, I mean, that's one of the things you really don't know until it's kind of there. And I'm looking for the link. Um, Aaron sent me a, or sent us a link in Voxer, and it was a um, conference event, festival, whatever, in uh, Bel Air, Maryland, which was literally like 15, 20 miles from my house for uh, 3D printing and making. Yeah, it was a uh, East Coast riprap or something, wasn't it? I can't seem to Google and find it, and I have a very nasty habit of over-clearing my Voxer cache. Hmm. Oh, well, uh, I'll put it like this. It was less than 20 miles from my house, maybe just over 20 miles from my house, um, a, like a festival conference at a community college, so I don't expect it to be grandiose or whatever. Um, I'm really tempted to approach them about being a sponsor to the event uh, and possibly do some content from the event or ask them to come on to talk about the event as well. If I can find a link, I'll make sure it's in the notes, but I can't seem to find it right now. Um, I will say with that, it seems like I've been in my Google feed on my phone I have uh, said I want to follow 3D making kind of things. I will say um, I've seen plenty of stuff um, pop up in my feed about 3D printing, and it all seems to be um, semi-industrial related, whether it be GM trying to do 3D printer-related stuff or, like, doctors doing stuff around 3D printing seems to be where all the, head where all the um, headlines are going right now. I don't know if you guys have seen anything uh, that you found interesting in recent weeks, but that uh, w one of the things that caught my eye was GM d doing 3D printing. Yeah, the uh, for me it was interesting to find the I think it was the GM one doing the pistons was uh, 3D printed pistons made out of metal with basically hollow insides, so it'll be just as strong with a honeycomb honeycomb uh, uh, a honeycomb style in infill, but it's a lot less moving mass, so it technically would make a lot more power. Gotcha, gotcha. And I'll say I have absolutely no problem admitting I have no idea about the actual benefits, why they would do it. But I just, I just thought it was interesting. And thank you for the link here, I think Chad. East Coast Rep Rap Festival.com. Uh, link in the notes, June 23rd, June 24th, Bel Air, Maryland, up at uh, Harford, uh, Harford Community College. Um, I'm going to try to contact them, see if I can at least become a sponsor and see if they want to come on the show and talk about the event at all. And that's where I think if I'm going to see a laser printer or a laser engraver kind of thing, maybe I'll see it there. Cause my guess is I'm going to see all kinds of making going on. Yeah. They got to have the obligatory hang printer too, right? <laughs> not sure. Not sure. Um, so I'm just going to throw this out. Does anybody have any, links they would like to talk about or any topics they would like to bring to the show well i have some laser stuff <clears throat> about the uh the laser stuff if you want to talk about that i can throw those links in do you want them in the youtube or the hangout chat or in the mumble chat or, or you got the doc open yeah i see in the doc you have a couple things yeah they're just basically for the light burn uh software they've just updated again they have now a rotary control so you can do glasses and wine bottles and different things in there 
it's all in the control now. That software is phenomenal. It's a must-have if you've got one of these uh, K40 printers or pretty much any printer. It's it's compatible with most uh, controllers out there too for the printers or for the cutters, laser cutters. Um, I picked it up when I got the the uh, Cohesion 3D Mini controller board for this for these uh, lasers, and that thing. I wouldn't even suggest buying the laser unless you're willing to spend the other the the hundred dollars on getting that controller. And it's, it takes ten minutes, ten twenty minutes to put in. It's all just plug and play. All the software is already put in there, ready to go. I mean, literally, it's just put the software in, put the USB or uh, the SD card in there, plug in, take the old clips off, put them on the new board, and it's ready to go. It is that easy, and it performs beautifully i think liam's got it and he's in i think he's on the same page as i am and just in just in love with the price point that it's at and the quality that it is i'm just I, they could easily double the price of that software and i'd still buy it yeah the price performance ratio it, it, it's the trifecta it it works amazing it's intuitive and easy to learn um and it's being developed non-stop so I'm going to guess that the default software that you get with the uh, laser engravers are, like completely sucks. Yeah, throw it in the garbage. Don't even put it on your computer. It's 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 hackware. It's it's been it's just stuff that's been hacked together to work, and I wouldn't even waste my time with it. And it looks like they have three different versions: upgrade G code to DSP license. Lightburn G G G code license key and Lightburn DSP license key. The most expensive one is eighty bucks, and it does look like you can download a trial, which is a big plus. And unlike a lot of other software, it clearly states it's for Windows, OS X, and Linux. Which I got to say, that's a really good combination there. Yeah, that's they just added the Linux. Um, I looked back, and they had just added that uh, a month and a half ago, maybe the Linux stuff. Um, it's it's just a software that's really easy to use. It's not for designing. It's just for the, the actual cutting out, but it does perform pretty decently at, for scaling and stuff. And it's kind of nice. You can take in a picture. It does has all these um, in ways of improving your picture and stuff for engraving. This guy is spending some time on it, and he knows what he's doing, and it's flawless. I've never had it glitch out on me. It's just just works. Yeah, it's it's just freaking amazing. You can do a ton of layup stuff and simple design. Um, Mr. Brett here, he was able to he was able to grab it, watch play YouTube videos, and get a sign taken care of inside of a part of an afternoon. Um, the trial is a 30-day trial, 100% unlimited access to the software. You can get an extension by just contacting them. Um, I've reached out to the developer with a question here or there, get pretty much immediate responses. Um, I I didn't read the, the about page well enough. I was asking him, hey, how many seats do I have with this? And he says, hey, you've got two included, but if you need a third, just let me know and I can activate that for you. Just, I, yeah. 30 bucks or the the 60 bucks or whatever the heck it costs for the the version we're using i yeah double it i would have no problem paying that at all and what's nice is with that cohesion 3d mini controller those guys those two guys work together really closely on making sure that the software works with the hardware and 
if you contact, like I made a mistake, I, I contacted the wrong guy. He sent the link over. He sent the stuff over to the other guy. He got back to me within a half hour. It was just, they're really good guys. The shipping on the uh, the Cohesion 3D Mini, I was a little leery about, you know. You, you never know with uh, with some of these sites. It came three days faster than they said it would. I mean, it only took like two and a half days, three days for it to get here. It was just phenomenal service. Everything came packaged really nicely. Nothing broken. Everything worked right out of the box. It was great. Can you do me a favor, Chad? Have a link to that um, Cohesion 3D Mini in the doc. Uh, and it looks like if you go onto the website, lightburnsoftware.com, under video tutorials, they step-by-step-by-step lead you through connecting your device for the first time, the user interface feature and walkthrough. Uh, They put some time into these videos, which I will say that to me is the first sign of good customer service is trying to do that initial onboarding hand-holding process of the first time people to make their experience as pleasant as possible. And the customer service that Liam got with the extra user thing that just shows that somebody wants to go over above and beyond so this sounds like nothing but good news yeah there is a link there for the cohesion 3d mini right under the um it's the power the control module or whatever it's called there the other thing is it shows they're smart enough to realize um people aren't going to read things like they should and if they can put out a simple easy to follow video it's going to cut down on their support which makes them more profitable and be able to work on features better they have a great forum i went on there posted a a suggestion he immediately came on and said hey no that's a bad idea for this reason um so i got that response and then it was pulled off the board so nobody else would be seeing it bugging them about that feature request um and then uh the other thing that did some reading i don't know about page or something his background is in uh video game design and so everything there's got to be as real time as possible. And this stuff loads amazingly fast. And I've never used any software where I could just drag and drop an Adobe.ai file into and have it open, let alone open properly. Um, I'm running a third gen Intel chip and everything is just snappy as can be on here. Oh, I'm running real, real shoddy old old software hardware, and it yeah, that that software can handle old hardware too. So I'm using a eight or nine year old e machine to run it. So come on, if it in it, it's never failed. It, it works great. So e machine, you win. I tap out, Chad. Um, really quick, I clicked the link to the cohesion uh link. I'm going to guess the cohesion is that looks like a squarish um, board with the um, all the uh, sockets hanging off it. So you basically affix this board to your laser printer, then connect your computer directly to this board? Yeah. So what that is, is it's a smoothie board, but it's been customized. All the plugins for almost every K40 design. So you just plug in what off of the old board, plug them in where they fit on the new board. And it's all been designed really well. Um, and it runs on SmoothieWare, which is already installed, already pre-configured. Um, I had a little w- weird setup, so I had to go in and change, add like three characters to the whole setup to make my stuff work. But of course, that's me because I hacked mine apart before I really sat down and <laughs> did some reading. <laughs> but uh, then you USB like you would with a 
any of you know your Raspberry Pi or whatever, you know, just a USB cable to your printer, and it runs a serial USB port, uh, control off it, and it works flawlessly. And I think Liam actually purchased, but I don't know if he's got it set up yet. His uh, the so you can do it over Ethernet, so you don't have to have a computer sitting right there. But I. I haven't seen anybody that's really posted anything about it, but it's there. It's an option. I don't know. <laughs> and then I guess it works through a web web control or whatever. So yeah, it's I haven't there. installed that module yet. And then I, I jumped into the smoothie where I adjusted the size of mine because I've uh, mapped it out, got an extra I don't know twenty millimeters one way, another fifteen the other, and so I wanted to take advantage of those. But yeah, it's super simple stuff. Gotcha, gotcha. So it, uh, it seems like then this laser is, I don't want to say it's in, in its infancy, but they're still newer. So basically, as soon as you bought it, you really should, to get the most out of it, go buy this $100 board, slap it in, and you basically up the potential of the laser engraver like instantaneously. Yeah, I think the way you got to look at it is you don't buy the laser without buying this module or the, the upgrade. It's 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 a nightmare to run. It, it my my motors sounded like heck, and they ground. And I thought I thought I had bad motors when I was using the old control board. It just didn't work for me. And I plugged in this new one, and it ran great. I don't even think I'd I'd, I'd suggest anybody buying one of these unless they were willing to spend the you know what's it come out to be about 150 bucks extra to put on the little upgrades that make it a fully comparable laser cutter i i believe i don't know for the price I, I guess you can't beat it i don't think yeah if you're getting a cheap k40 style laser i just put this in your budget it'll make it so much better i fought with that other software what half a day at most maybe and uh it's 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 day and night i mean there there is no comparison i've looked at some of the other um softwares for some of the other uh lasers and this looks better than a lot of those too and it does work with other controllers rudia and garble and some other stuff so it doesn't work with just the k40 um but man it's it's slick yeah and it's it's got the when they built the board they made it so it's upgradable um they know what us makers want to do with this thing you know we want to put auto z leveling you know so you're not leveling your you're not blocking up your parts you're making a bed that's what i did it's but i haven't got auto mine's a manual z bed leveling or z height setting but uh it does have the controllers for the motors if you wanted to motorize it it's got the uh hookups to do a a access so you can do rotary you know wine glasses or whatever you want to engrave which i plan on doing and i built a the rotary for it i just haven't got it tweaked in perfectly yet Gotcha, gotcha. Uh, have any more links here you wanted to talk about, Chad? No, I'm good. I just wanted to get that laser stuff out of there. It's been sitting there for. <laughs> I almost forgot that we were that I had that I had done it. <laughs> gotcha, gotcha. Um, well, here's one link I wanted to uh, chat about. I'm actually pulling it from our spreadsheet. Um, I think there's a bunch of different ways you can go about creating, making, designing, prototyping kind of thing and i am a very physical based guy i mean i can mentally you know think of how i want to do something 
but nothing beats being able to physically see it in the real world before you can even print it kind of thing. So I saw this link and it was on um, Hackaday and it was uh, making 3D modeling child's play with a can of Play-Doh. And I just, I don't know you guys, but I love the idea of this. So I can take what I want to print and physically mold it out of Play-Doh, then pull out the stuff like the calipers and the measuring devices, and then get the actual measurements from the Play-Doh, go into the designing software and use those numbers as a starting off point, jumping off point to get the right dimensions uh, of what you want to make. I don't, I don't know about you guys, but I thought this was at least mildly genius. Yeah, I, I laughed when I opened the link, and then I scrolled down a little and saw what they were actually doing, and that little light in my head went, click, that's genius, because they, they've modeled some cylinder that has something on it and as he rolls it across the play-doh it puts the impression on there so that you can then flat measure and then just use the old um mathematics to figure out where things belong that's 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 using your noodle man yeah and um because i'm okay i have uh a mi i have one mini computer right now rock 64 which is like a four gig ras four gigs of RAM Raspberry Pi size computer, much, 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 much more powerful than a Raspberry Pi. Um, but one of the OSs I put on it absolutely runs hot. So my logic is I have to get a case with a fan on this device if I want to run it correctly. And I can't use a Raspberry Pi case because while the form factor is the same size, the ports are a little bit different. So I can't really use them. And I don't like the idea of downloading a Raspberry Pi um, uh, file and then trying to manipulate that case to fit my needs. So I'm going to try basically something like this for that board. But I also just pre-ordered uh, the Rock Pro 64, which isn't even out yet. It's coming out in June. And this has an RK, I want to say it's 3399 chip in it. All you guys need to know, brand new chip. It's going to be in uh, some of the newer Chromebooks that are coming out. So this is going to be one of the first mini computers with a chip in it that's also used in consumer-grade products that people can go into Best Buy and, and purchase, which then tells me I should get utterly close to desktop-like performance out of a mini computer, which is one of my goals is to basically have like a computer that I can easily fit in my backpack take back and forth to work, bring down here, take other places, connect up a Bluetooth keyboard mouse to it, hook up to any monitor that's laying around kind of thing. And voila, I have myself my portable computer uh, ready to roll any time that I need it. And I like the idea of physically modeling something to the board I have, then measuring it and trying to make that uh, case out of that. Yeah, that's a great use case for that. Because then you can just sandwich it in there and take it off and measure your stuff up and have a perfect little model of it. Either that or it's going to fail miserably, but either way, it, it should be fun. Um, uh, you know, just one other quick maker thing I wanted to just chat about, and I don't know if you guys are even aware of this. Um, Nintendo Labo is uh, Nintendo Switch. I don't know. Ever since video games became a thing, every company has had the goal of selling you pointless accessories to go with the device, okay, no matter what it is. Nintendo might have just hit, like, the triple-double 
they might have just, you know, did the hat trick or whatever, because they're getting people to buy cardboard with their console. And it's weird. I'll just say that. I bought one for, I bought Labo for my kids. They played the living crap out of it. Easily 10 plus hours, easily 10 plus hours worth of time making the things, folding the cardboard up and making them and then interacting with them on the games. And people, and there's already a company in the UK who have a uh, custom Labo cardboard you can buy. It turns it into a, a guitar and you can do other things. But I really do believe the problem with cardboard is it's cardboard. So I really do believe that I'm going to have to at least sooner or later start printing, 3D printing some of these accessories for them to use with it. And I honestly believe the maker world should get on this as soon as possible and 3D print custom Labo stuff and sell them as well. Because I, knowing Nintendo fans, I would think they would buy anything as long as you put a logo on it of a Nintendo game they like. They don't care. They'll spend the money. You were not wrong, Door. You were not wrong there. Yeah, Uncle Brett brought a, a Labo with him. Yeah, that was. Uh, I I figured I'd I'd have the the little dude build it, and if I liked it, I'd just take it when I came when I left. But uh, he liked it more than I thought. So yeah, I guess I'm leaving it here. Well, which one did you get? Um, I got the five-in-one model, the non-robot one. Yeah, the uh, the the variety pack where you have a house motorcycle fishing rod piano rc car which is really isn't an rc car um and stuff like that and i will and i'll just say the piano is the one that amazes me where you can literally like move the top shake the top and it will be like reverb as you're playing a note i've seen people do like multi-track re um re um re um recordings and then overlay them to make unbelievable music out of, out of this thing it, it, it to me it, it really is mind-blowing but the fishing one is the one that i love the design of how the string never moves really but it feels like it's moving and the crank sound out of it all out of cardboard and string i am with no apologies nintendo fanboy period but this i think they literally hit a grand slam home run you know, top of the ninth, bases loaded. They did everything right with this thing. And I think uh, it's going to at least help kids understand the basics of engineering, dare I say. Yeah, I, I, I like the idea. Um, I, think it's a, I think it's a great idea, especially since everything is done with, if I remember right, the, uh, the infrared sensor um, on, on one of the Joy-Cons. And it's just, it's pretty impressive what you can do with it. Yeah, and everybody's expecting there to at least be sooner or later a rock band type game that's utilizing this kind of thing. Uh, so yeah, there's like an IR sensor in one of the other remotes, and both the remotes have very sensitive gyroscopic sensors in it. So sometimes it's just the gyroscope recognizing simple movement, and other times they use re um re um re um reflective tape. And the IR is ultra sensitive to that re re um re um re uh, flexion, so it can see very clear when things are happening, and the responsiveness that I see when I dabble with it, kind of thing, it kind of blows my mind that it's a handheld gaming console that can be put on a TV yet can also do all this other stuff. It's kind of crazy. 
Yeah, it is. It's very impressive. So, uh, Liam, is there anything you would like to uh, bring to this show from your notes? Oh boy, notes. Yeah, that's 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 one of those things I I should have, but I do not. Um, I definitely want to talk about uh, resin. I picked up a resin printer. Um, I had an order come in oh, a while back, and uh, I, I took I took the money from that and put it into a resin printer. Picked up a uh, AnyCubic. It, it had decent reviews, and holy cow, for the price, the the prints coming off this thing are amazing. It's it's not as messy as I thought it would be, and it prints really fast because it's a DLP, so it's doing an entire screen at a time versus a laser that, that runs the laser around the different bits. Um, so it'll actually beat the FDMs on some of the stuff I'm printing, but the quality is just out of the park. Um, the the cleanup and finishing of the parts, pretty quick, pretty straightforward, not too messy, at least not yet. I'm sure that'll be that day I, I dump the resin out somehow all over me all over myself and everywhere. The real issue is the smell. Um, that's, that's really my only complaint about it so far. Um, I haven't done a ton of printing with it yet. I've done a couple test prints, and then I tried to do one print, and I'd moved it in the car without bothering to check that things were tight and leveled properly, and it... it um, it peeled up and didn't print properly, but it wasn't like a total failure. But man, just holy cow, how fast this stuff is progressing. It's uh, it's very, very impressive. Well, really quick to the other noob, uh, how would you describe a resin printer to the layman? I, it's like being able to do resin casting, but without having to have a cast. You're just sending it G-code. Well, okay, you're, you're using a, a 3D file, and it, they all have their own slicers for the different printers. Um, but it's just slicing up layer by layer, and it spits it out layer by layer. But, I mean, you can print at, what, 2 microns, I think, on this one? Um, I'm printing stuff at 0.1 millimeter, and it's coming out just freaking amazing. Um, I, I, I... I don't have any words to describe how good it looks compared to FDM. It's, I mean, it's, I guess it's, it would be the difference between making a, uh, I don't know, like a Benchy out of a bunch of Legos and then making a Benchy out of a, a, a standard point to FDM printer. It's that big a difference in the layer line and blockiness and quality of it. It's, it, it's, it's just, you have to see it to believe it, honestly. Well, correct me wrong. This is the kind of printer where there's the pool of liquid at the bottom and then a laser basically hardens the a layer of the liquid in the pool and then basically raises it out of the liquid and then just continues on slowly building. So it's almost building the opposite on the 3D printer. It's building from the base and then up. And on the resin, it's almost creating from the top down. Well, no, it's, it's still doing it from the bottom up. It's just the vat of resin is, the, is where it's being dipped into. So if you were to physically look at it, it's dropping the print into it, so when the print's done, it's sitting upside down, hanging in the air from the build plate. Gotcha. Um, but yeah, you nailed it. It's, it's UV resin. Um, there's two styles right now. The DLP, which is what I have, is the cheap one. Basically, there's a big, huge, probably 20-watt um, UV light underneath a LCD mask. It's a 2K monitor without the monitor. You just have the shutters from the actual um, pixels that will either allow or not allow light through. And so that's why you can do an entire layer at a time, as opposed to the laser method where the tiny little laser traces around. 
And that's why this is so much cheaper, too, compared to a actual laser SLA. Gotcha. So depending on the print, it can be insanely quicker just because the layer might be so big. And yeah, when I think of this, watching this, this is like almost like science fiction happening in front of you where a 3D printer is much more, it seems to be more of like a physical, I don't want to say Neanderthal type thing, but it's more of a physical thing where you're actually seeing the stuff come out of the nozzle and build up. This is using light, basically. For me, it uh, it just reminds me of, you know, um, Creature from the Black Lagoon, any of those shows where something comes up out of the, the swamp. And uh, that's basically exactly what happens is this stuff comes out of the resin from technically nothing, you know. So that's, that's what impresses me is the fact that you can um, – print something and it just comes straight up out of it i mean it's understandable but it is science fictiony so question do you still have the same limitations and things to look out for in the sense of when you're printing on your regular 3d printer you have to worry about um um using supports and things like that i'm gonna guess the same kinds of things you have to worry about with this as well uh, really all you have to watch out for is your first layer which the leveling is dead simple. You run the thing down without the vat there onto a sheet of paper. You press it flat while then screwing in the tightening screw, and then just checking with overhangs. And you just uh, you can do automatic or manual supports for that. And that's pretty much it. I mean, it's it's super simple. Very very little options in the uh, the slicer as far as that goes. Just kind of. You can pick your layer times for more or less curing. You can pick the layer um, quality. But, yeah, with, with definitely with the DLP, though, the amazing thing is that whether the build plate's completely full or you have one piece in there, it's all about how tall the print is that determines the print time. So if you can fit 15 of one in there, it's going to print in the same time as one would. Well, that's cool. Very cool, very cool. And can I ask roughly how much of an investment was this? With shipping was like five forty. Five hundred and forty? Yeah, right. That ain't bad. No. God. Okay. I'm okay. Well, then I'm going to also guess if I make it to this rep rep festival, I'm going to see at least a couple of them. I, I would certainly imagine so. Um, Wanahua has theirs. That's the D7. Monoprice just announced theirs. You can order the one that has no screen. The one that has a screen that's pretty much identical to what I have is coming out soon-ish. And then you also have the Anycubic, which is what I have. And they're all right in the same price range, same ballpark, pretty much the same design. Um, I, it's cool stuff. And I, I may have also got a Mark III on the way. Oh, that's all. Um, I can't do that. What is the approximate build size, volume size on the resin printer? Uh, 115, is it 115 wide by 67-ish deep, and I think it's 155 tall, somewhere in there. That's kind of the ballpark. And to be fair, the uh, the Mark III I ordered is actually for customer. Well, first off, that to me sounds like a decent-sized build, but you could do a lot with that. The one thing I'm learning is... It, it's nice to have a bigger bed on your printer, but 
if you actually count the number of times you actually have to have a bigger bed, it seems to be not as often as I first anticipated, number one. Number two, I really hope when you get that Mark III in, you did insist to the customer that you do have to do some QA testing before delivery. Oh, yeah, yeah. They 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 bought a multi-thousand-dollar printer years back that just sat and collected dust. They brought it to me to repair, and... They, I determined, well, honestly, it's just a crap printer and that it wouldn't be worth the cost to repair it. And I said, why don't we just get you one of these? And he said, okay, order it in. You can teach us to use it, set it up and everything. And in the meantime, all they're printing, they're just doing through me. Gotcha, gotcha. And I, um, for a friend, looked at the Mark III on the website, and it looked like if you wanted to buy the kit that you assemble yourself, it was at least like six weeks waiting for shipping, where if you bought the one that was already pre um, built, it looked like it was near immediate delivery. Um, it's supposed to be shipping this month. Back when we ordered it, it uh, you you were waiting longer on the kit. Though I would have gladly built it for free, to be honest, just because I, uh, I kind of enjoy doing that stuff. Uh, but he wanted to get up and run it a little quicker, so we got the kit, or I mean the uh, the pre-built. But I'll still pull it out in QA and learn it well enough to teach it. Gotcha, gotcha. Um, I will say, um. It's good they didn't buy the kit you have to assemble because if history is any example, even though it's a Prusa Mark III, something would have came in broke. Yeah, yeah, you are correct. I do have the bad luck. Oh, and uh, I did luck out on the Inacubic. It did have a problem direct out of the box. One of the hinges was loose, and so the thing wouldn't shut properly, but it was a quick open it, slide the hinge over, tighten the hinge, and now it closes properly without trying to bend or jam. So maybe the curse is lifting, or maybe China's just doing a better job of QA and stuff. Well, they're afraid of the tariffs or something. Um, hey, Jonas. I have, I'm, I'm doing okay, but I got to ask, man. I never thought I would ever ask this on a podcast, but how's the volcano doing? It seems to be pretty active right now. The last couple of days, it's been erupting and um today we've actually felt two tremors on the entirely opposite side of the island so i'm sitting here at my office at my desk and i i feel something like somebody's shaking my chair and i'm looking around and nothing's going on and <laughs> oh it must be an earthquake <laughs> and then we're driving around doing some work around town and we're coming back sitting at a stoplight same thing sitting in the car and it's it feels like some kids you know pushing on your car and shaking it well, I'm really happy well, it's on the other side of the island, but either way, man, I'm going to ask that if it's possible, could you just like, you know, every 10 hours or so, just check in on Box or something just to let us know everything's okay. No problem. Because, you know, I think island, I think how can, how big can it be? It's an island. Well, it is the big island. Well, that, well then that's a big plus. Um, it's been uh, more than a little while since uh, we spoke last. Um. And I'll say this publicly. I love everybody on this show, but I don't care. You are the guy I think I really should apologize to publicly and the most for, because you are the guy who puts the most effort into the notes. And I want to let you know that it is appreciated. And I feel utterly bad that there's been no show. And you, I'm pretty sure, have still compiled notes at the same rate as if we did a show every week. Well, hey, hey, I, yeah, I, I just keep storing it up, and then I, yeah, I've collected a few, that's for sure. 
Gotcha, gotcha. So, I mean, the first question I really got to ask is, what have you built, broken, or learned since the last show that really, you know, surprised you or uh, that just interested you? Well, the main thing is I um, have been working with this BL Touch nonsense, and I got the CR10 working with the BL Touch. Worked perfectly fine. Marlin is the easiest thing. Don't ever do anything but Marlin if you can help it. Um, and then I quickly killed it by shorting out a couple of the sensor wires when I was putting it back together. And so that completely killed my board. So I was going to get a new board, and I thought, well, I'll just upgrade to a smoothie board. So I bought a uh, Cohesion Mini 3D with the um, Trinamic drivers. So now I've got the super quiet, super awesome driver set up with the you know 32-bit board. And they're normally supposed to be for... Uh, Delta printers, I guess, but you know, it just makes this, you can't even tell it's running. I've got it sitting next to me at, at another desk, and I have to look over and see if it's still doing anything because it's so quiet. Damn, that's nice. Yeah, that's nice. And I did change out all my fans and everything in addition to you know swapping out that other thing. But, boy, it's been a, a chore to get Cohesion 3D Mini to work with that BL Touch. The number one thing is there's no documentation that is really super accurate for this particular version of doing things. Um, you've got to change some pen designations kind of counterintuitively as to what you might think they should be just to get it to recognize that it's sensing the bed or not sensing the bed. So what it is is BL Touch is basically it's a pin sensor instead of a um, magnetic field sensor, and it has a pin that is either, either extended or it's retracted. And so you move the, the little sensor box down towards the bed with the pin out, and when it gets close to it, if it gets close enough, there's a point at which it's, it's, it's actually magnetically suspended. So there's a point at which it activates the magnet and it kicks the pin back up, and so that's what it senses that, yeah, it's been triggered or not triggered. And then it uses that information to tell you if your bed is detected or not. And so that gives you your Z height. But with the SmoothieWare software, which is on the Cohesion, it's not a SmoothieWare board. Um, and that's another issue that I might talk about. But the support, if, you, if you're not using a SmoothieWare board, they would rather not talk to you um, from the hardware side. And even Cohesion 3D, when I tried to contact them, they only do support through their G Plus channel. Um, I contacted them a couple times through there, and they would email me after that. But again, it's an email link through the G Plus. And I know when I spoke to the, the uh, Cohesion people before, when I was trying to set up the uh, laser printer with one of their boards, that one was directly through email, but the 3D thing apparently is specifically through G+, which is not great. It takes them a couple of days to respond to you. I think they're maybe waiting for the community to respond to you. And again, with the BL Touch on this particular board, it's so finicky, and they just don't, there's not enough people using it to have the information out there how to do it right the first time. And so you set it up kind of like it's a Delta. They have a Cartesian kind of version of the Delta instructions and a, a couple of different commands, but you actually have to set one of the pins as kind of dual function, and it's not real clear that that's what you got to do. And even in the instructions they have out there online on their own website, 
it, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. You have to basically reason it out yourself of, oh, they're telling you you have to do it this way, but actually you have to change it the opposite way. Um, and I'm not going to go into that here, but um, maybe I'll make some notes about that. Bottom line is the, uh, the board is working now. I was having a problem with it auto-leveling, and just as Liam was kind enough to send me his old CR10 board and an ANET board, both 8-bit that I could put in here, I actually got the G32 stuff working, which is the G code that goes down and senses the bed in like nine different places or seven different places, however you want, and it figures out the plane of the bed. So if it's warped in the center and not on the sides, it'll readjust your printer while it's printing to adjust for the bed level height. Um, and that actually works pretty good. It's not terribly accurate, but it's accurate enough. And you can actually tell when it's um, printing something, it will you'll see the z-axis moving just a little bit as it goes across the width of the board so if there's if the bed is a little bit out of whack you can tell by watching your z-axis motor and if it moves that's the bed leveling making its on-the-fly adjustments to correct itself as it prints your print gotcha gotcha i'll say for them to only offer support through google plus is to me a very weird thing to ask i mean i i hate to say this i can almost understand it if they would say through a facebook group because nine out of ten people are on facebook but they say only through google plus i have to believe the majority of people who buy their product are like google what oh google plus oh i'm not on that yeah and it, it literally took well the first time i asked a question the guy got back to me the next day the next time i asked him a question he got back to me a couple days later and it's been, what, a month or so, maybe more, that my questions have been on there. And I've seen other people posting about other things, but not one other person has posted any kind of comments on my question about this particular thing. And I've, I started out with, here's my configuration file. I linked, you know, one of those pastebin type sites to the actual full configuration of the all the Z-Height stuff that I was using so they could see what it is. And... The first time the guy responded to me, I swear it felt like he was saying, have you turned it off and turned it back on again? Because he just repeated back to me exactly what I was already following on the SmoothieWare website, which he doesn't even have any, I don't know, say in or whatever. The Cohesion guys are not the, the SmoothieWare guys. The SmoothieWare guys are the SmoothieBoard guys, and that's all their group. SmoothieWare is open source, and so everybody else uses it, but... If you want support for SmoothieWare on the Cohesion Board, you kind of have to talk to the Cohesion Board guys first and try to get it done there. So it, it's just been a chore. Like I said, it, it's been tough getting it going, but I think it, I'm satisfied with, with it now. Um, you know, the best thing is the bed leveling. I was starting to see a little while ago that my glass is kind of got a dip in the center of it. So I like printing on the glass, and that's why I got the BL Touch, so I could keep doing that and have it level. And so no matter where I go on my board now, the size it is, it's a little bit different on the outer edges than it is in the center, and that fixes that problem. So I, I was printing um, TPU. The first TPU thing I printed printed perfectly fine. It stuck first time, no problems. Um, and actually the only issue I've had is uh, PLA doesn't seem to stick as well as it used to. Um, but I think I just have to use more of that uh, PPA stuff. But otherwise, seems to be working okay, and 
I can pretty much do what I want again. Gotcha, gotcha. Well, I'm I'm happy it got up and running, but I'm really sad that they don't offer. Uh, I don't want to use the word proper support, but this day and age, it sounds like they just aren't offering proper support. Hopefully, hopefully it's just that they're new, or this board is new, or this product is new. Um, and I mean. I can understand a day. I can understand them taking a day to get back with you or even a day and a half. But anything more than that to me is almost, I don't want to say ignorant, but it has the rumblings of being ignorant, of uh, just being ignorant. Well, I, I feel like it's like a one or two man show and it may very well be, and that's fine. Um, one of the other things, as far as just a smoothie wear, smoothie board kind of thing, this is a SD card based um, board. So I don't mean SD card based in that you take the SD card out and put it in to get your files on it. The OS is on the, or the settings and the firmware are, are on the SD card. So when you plug in the SD card, you put a special file in there, firmware.bin, and when you have that on there and you start up the machine, it reads that, it, it flashes that firmware onto the board itself. And then I believe you can also put files on the SD card. Um, I don't know what the eject process is because I don't use the 3D printer that way. I've been using Octoprint just to have, like I always have, just perfectly fine. Um, but the reason I mentioned it's an SD card board is being that it's an SD card board, your config file is the only thing you have to change. Unlike Marlin where you have to change a bunch of settings and header files, compile it, and then flash your board, all you do is edit a text file on this SD card and put the SD card back in the board and it re reloads all your configurations. So if you want to change something, you don't have to go through the two-step process of change the, the big config file, flash it to the machine, and then run your printer. You just pop out the SD card, put it in another computer if you need to, change your config file and put it back in, and it knows what your new settings are. So that's, that's handy. The one downside of that is it's an SD card on a microcontroller board. Uh, yeah, microcontroller board which means that if you shut down the microcontroller poorly or if something happens, you lose power, there's a certain percent chance that your data on that SD card will get corrupted, which happened to me once, maybe twice, in the way that I had set up my configuration stuff the way I liked it. It was starting to work, and something happened. I, I unplugged it the wrong way or you know shut it down improperly, and then my config file was broken. It was broken in such a way that when you try to put the SD card in, which again, it's just an SD card like you use for your flash memory, you put files on it and put it in your computer and read your files. It wasn't corrupted in such a way where it acted like the board was bad because you cannot access the board by USB anymore. It would not, the, the printer would not register as a serial device on the um, Pine64 board that I have to control the printer. So normally you have like a Raspberry Pi with Octoprint you plug your USB printer into it, and you send all your stuff over USB to your printer. Well, it was acting like the USB cable was not connected, and it was entirely because the config file on the SD card was corrupt. As soon as I took that card out and re, not reformatted it, but I, I took all the files off of it, put the new files on, and put it back in the machine, it worked again. But for about a week, I thought I had killed my board again because the serial was just dead. It just acted like nothing was there and there was nothing I could do about it. Luckily, I had another smoothie board that I could try it out on, and I tried another SD card from that board in the new board, and that's the only way I found out that, oh, it's just the, the file is corrupt. It has nothing to do with 
the, the board or my serial connection. It just so happens that that config file is broken. So when it tries to read the config file, it must do something before it says, okay, this is a serial connection and somehow screws that process up. See, if you're using a smoothie board and you have that issue ever, keep that in mind. It, if it acts like your board is dead or can't connect to serial, can't be recognized anymore, you might just take that SD card out, take all the files off of it, put new files on, and try it again because that could be the problem. And that was that was super frustrating too. But, you know, again, headache later, I figured that out. Hey, Jonas, um, the, that one thing said, you know, I understand all the problems you went through, and I think that is a real small team that works with the Cohesion Mini, um, and not justifying anything. They've been focusing so much on the laser stuff with that thing. I, you know, I if you go into their support, it's all laser stuff. Um, yeah, I, I, know, with, you know. I agree. That is, that is the main focus. Um, this board though is called the 3D Mini, <laughs> so I don't know. And they do have a, they do have an upgrade kit for. There's another. I don't know if it's a tarantula of some kind or a TiVo, something or other. They do have like a special tutorial video where they go through the regular Cartesian stuff, but it doesn't have a, they're not using BL Touch is the only thing, you know. I understand, I am, I am, my entire history of anything tech is I pick the weirdest thing and I do the funky weird thing because I think it's funky and cool and I want to do it the special way. And I always have trouble with all those things. You know, it doesn't matter if it's computers or 3D printers or bicycles or whatever. That's just my MO, <laughs> and I understand. I'm just reporting as I find it. <laughs> no worries there. Oh, yeah, no, I just, because we were just praising up the Collision 3D Mini earlier before you came on the show, and I just wanted to point out, you know, that's kind of what they're focusing on. It, it sucks when you buy one because they do advertise it as a printer board. They have another, the Remix or whatever, that they advertise that as a printer board that, they really should develop a little bit more into the, th you know, work on that stuff to help you guys out because it, you know, if they're not going to contribute back to SmoothieWare or whatever to get the support through them, then they kind of have to take that on their shoulders, I would think. Yeah, I, I would like them to step that up a little bit on that end, but, you know, like you said, it's probably, you know, a one or two man guy, two, one or two man team, maybe, you know, three or four, but, you know, people are busy, they're trying to do stuff and, this probably isn't their their main job because I can't imagine they sell too too many of the cohesion stuff. No, and I think last time we chatted, I think me and Liam had the suggestion of pulling that board, putting a Marlin setup, putting the going back to the Marlin setup or whatever you know any of the boards, and then putting that thing that board in your your laser. Oh, that belongs in there. Then you'll love that thing <laughs> with that new light burn software. That's where it goes. Yeah, I'm waiting to get some time to get into that. That'll be pretty awesome. Yeah, now they got it for your for Linux for you too. So that light burns on Linux. So very cool, very cool. Um, was there anything else in the notes you guys wanted to uh, bring up? Um, I did apparently make some notes way back when. Um, there's two in there that are YouTube links. the The first is Chris's Basement, which is a great YouTube channel. He's putting out quality content. Um, this is a getting started with 3D printing, so I, I think it's, uh, so you have a printer, now what? And it kind of walks you through slicing all the way through printing, a uh, quick little, like, 15-minute video, 
excellent channel. You should just subscribe to that anyways if you're uh if if you're a printer. And then the other one is something I was doing with the laser. It's uh Bob Claggett. I like to make stuff. Is that right? Yeah. The little pocket notebooks. We've been making these and then I throw them in the laser to customize them. That's been a nice little project as well. Um video that he runs through on how to make those and you can just make those pretty much stuff you have lying around you don't have to have any fancy tools or anything gotcha gotcha very cool yeah i will say it seems like most of the guys on this show spend a good amount of their time on youtube watching uh these kinds of videos where they basically go through how to set up and how to um get started doing these kinds of things i will say i my video watching is now maybe less than two hours a week total i just don't seem to find the time to watch videos of any sort either tv movies or youtube yeah i'll second the chris's basement um i've been watching that last couple months and that is really really good um he's got a a couple of good lives he does a live stream every once in a while um you know like the other guys he's he's got a couple of murph videos uh, about that conference and then um he he built a uh, hang printer um and so he's got two or three videos on that which are kind of interesting so you know it's all the pitfalls and what you need to do and he's got a, a later update of, of the current version that he's he's messing with he also is the guy that i don't know we probably linked it before or talked about it before but he puts like three octoprint instances on raspberry pi including cameras so I found that really, really good, being a Linux-centric person. Um, learned a lot about UDEV and how to set up rules so that when you plug in a USB device and you've got two things that are pretty much identical, if you can find a serial number that's different between them, you can actually set them up to be a certain device name for the certain ID number pretty easily. And that's how he's getting each printer to be separate on each USB connection plus the three cameras on each USB connection. So he's actually shows you walks through specifically what you need to type in and what file and how to get it set up so that it will recognize all that stuff properly so that next time you reboot it all your settings aren't lost of, of which camera goes with which printer which goes with which octoprint instance that you're looking at on your on your web browser very cool yeah i'm going to guess though one of the keys to that is uh d message um when you plug up devices into Linux, almost like over a network, how everything has a I has a I has a IP address or, or a MAC address, more specifically. When you plug up USB devices, even if it's three of the exact same item, when you plug it up, they each suck off information off a device and then convert that into a unique identifier. So then every time you plug it up, you'll get that exact same ID for it. Um, I had to do that with hard drives because I always had to have one hard drive load. And it seemed like in BIOS, sometimes it would load them backwards. So it was a pain in the butt. So I had to figure out the UUID for that. And that was a little learning experience, I'll say. Okay, guys, it's uh, pushing midnight here. Uh, I'm speaking for myself. I'm really tired. Um is there any last things you guys wanted to uh, push out there to the listeners? Did you guys talk about the titanium printing? I don't believe so. I don't believe so. There's a couple of links in the show notes. You know, check that out or whatever. The um, billion-dollar companies like Boeing and um, a bunch of people overseas, they're actually using uh, metal 3D printing and making titanium parts. And what they do is they rough out 
the major part of in a titanium and then they sculpt the rest of it back to the actual part they need so they get some super crazy accurate results and i've been again watching a lot of bike type videos on tech and stuff and there's a couple of companies i think sram and um, a couple of bike manufacturers they're actually making parts out of titanium you know by way of 3d printing so they're they've got basically a desk size 3d printer that uses um, metal and it's kind of like tig welding but it's you know like cnc tig welding it it draws the lines like a 3d printer but it's basically drawing lines of metal and making whatever part and then they take it to some separate second or third process and finish it up and then it comes out you know perfect and it's titanium so they'll have um like you know the uh the piece of metal that connects your your steering forks to your handlebars that that um big hunk of metal they'll take that and they'll print a 3d honeycomb with that and they'll finish up the outside you know shine it up and whatever but the inside is completely hollow because it's it's a you know honeycomb just like we've been doing the the bicubic and the honeycomb infill that's what they're doing with titanium to make all these parts and so they're making these traditionally solid metal aluminum parts out of titanium using a 3d printer so that's keep an eye on that stuff that's that's here and people are making it and selling it that's pretty cool yeah it's just a matter of time before um metal and powdered centering printing comes down to our level just like the fdm and resin has been and that's that's going to be amazing very cool um i will say we do have at least one email that I completely forgot about. I, I will mark that to make sure that it is brought to the next show. If you want to send us an email, it is themakers at podnuts.com. If you want to send us a voicemail, it is 7076podnut. Uh, if you would like to be on this show, don't hesitate. Shoot me an email. Anybody can come on. Uh, we'll talk about all kinds of making that's going on. Uh, we do have a Discord server. If you would like access to that, you can either join us on Patreon or just shoot me an email and you should get a link to that. Um, if you want to just uh, hang out, uh, we are uh, on uh, services like MeWe to some degree. Um, so bottom line is we can be wherever you are at. You have to let us know. TheMakers at Podmas.com. Uh, I want to thank everyone for downloading. Thank everyone for the support. And I will talk to everyone in about a week.